this episode, uh, okay, ready? In this episode of Full Nerd, Intel says M1 not number one. Rocket Lake update and mining craziness again. Welcome to the Full Nerd episode 167. I'm your host, Gordon Maung, with Brad Charkis. Hello, Internet. Elena Yee. Hey, everyone. And Adam Patrick Murray, controlling the vertical and horizontal. Uh, Brad, on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, how excited are you that your uh, Tampa Bay Bunkadeers have uh, won the Super Bowl? 15. And I also won squares, so it was a magical night all around. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, you, you want you want some money, man. That was uh that was yeah. that was good. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a shame it happened in the year where I couldn't actually go to Tampa to be part of it. But I am a very happy fella. I think I'm still a little bit hungover. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh well I I didn't know about the whole idea that you could spend one hundred dollars and get your photo in one of the chairs. <laughs> Did you mm-hmm. guys see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't realize that till like after the Super Bowl had already started and I was like, Oh, that would be hilarious to get like a photo of BB or something in, in one of the chairs <laughs> and somebody just sits down next to it and they're like, Who is this cat? What why is this cat in a chair? <laughs> Do they send you the picture to so you can see your picture in the stadium? Because that is that is kind of cool, not. you know. I, I I bet they're just like, hey, maybe you might get a chance that one of the cameras just uh, happens to pick it up at some point. <laughs> oh. That's that's probably the the extent of it. Uh, I do like the NFL pricing of one hundred dollars though for a picture. So that's that's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think about for, right. for Super Bowl seats, I think that's actually considered cheap. Yeah, <laughs> but like this is cl- just your picture. For all you know, they're printing it out and throwing it in the. You know, they may not even print it. You know, how would you ever know if it was there? Hey, that is a good point. They're like, oh yeah, trust us, we did it. Uh, <laughs> actually, now I'm thinking about it. We we should have got a, a full nerd, like all all four oh. of us, a full nerd section. Uh, yeah, dang it. That would have been a great use for the super chats. Ah, dang it. <laughs> yeah, that, yes, that would to, been... to be at the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, responsible with their money. Yeah. Um, well, uh, it's speaking of CPU Super Bowl, uh, Intel versus Apple. <laughs> is that a good transition? No. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I mean, you know what it is is you know um, Intel has been doing this. It's a very interesting way to uh, put spins on things. And I will say this is the second time we've now seen Intel do this lately. First time, of course, they came out and said uh, AMD Ryzen 4000 is actually, you know, pretty fast chip until you run it on battery. Then we saw all kinds of power reductions when it's running on battery, which since it's a laptop, that's all you care about, right? And they actually had a bunch of benchmark results that their own lab had run on about 15 or, you know, different Ryzen 4000 laptops and performance was worse. Um, I did look at a couple things, you know, mm. of course, the natural thing for everybody to say as well, the Intel just simply made this stuff up. Uh, it's not real, but I did run a couple different things very lightly. It, the, the accusation is on very lightly threaded tasks, PC Mark, uh, 10 kind of stuff, Windows, you know, Office, the very light stuff and... You know, Ryzen has this delay where it waits a really long time to boost up, and they think basically it's battery life. Um, I did see that in a couple of laptops. I tried it on on Ryzen 4000. AMD has actually said, like, look, this is an OEM decision. If OEMs decide to delay the boost to save power, that's how they optimize. So... 
But, you know, it was a valid point that Intel had because, you know, hey, this is something the press isn't talking about because I will tell you nobody ever tells you to run more tests. <laughs> and maybe it's something the press should be looking at, um, honestly. But, you know, I haven't done that officially lately. The latest thing, though, is because everybody came when Apple came out with the M1, the Internet and, you know, most of the media came out gushing how awesome it was. And it is and, and I want to be fair, it's an awesome CPU because <laughs> coming after years of Qualcomm-based ARM products, you would not actually expect good performance out of an ARM chip running Windows, or not running Windows, but running a full-service OS. Mm. And it's it's very surprising. But Intel has come out and said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You know what? All this narrative being written by everybody just simply running these things, running Geekbench and saying awesome sauce, there's actually a lot of stuff where we're faster at, <clears throat> and they went in and they basically showed the presentation to a couple of outlets. One was Tom's Hardware, I believe, and the other one was us. May have been a couple others that maybe decided to pass. I think it's worthy of, of writing about because this is uh, Intel coming out and saying we've tested it. It's not clear cut. If you look at these results, if Apple did the same thing or AMD did the same thing, I think you should also give them a fair stick. But we're going to show you a couple of the results. Some have been public. Some things I don't think have actually been public as far as like seeing the details of it. Why don't we no, kick it off? Real with... quick, uh, just to clarify, uh, Tech Tech Potato, Dr. Ian Cutras did ask earlier, uh, you, you got pre-briefed by Intel on this uh, on this analysis, right? Yes. So so was, we it, were... was it you specifically or, or somebody else on staff? This was uh, me specifically. Uh, and this is very similar to how it was done for AMD. They basically went and said, hey, do you, we got some numbers. you want to hear it? I said, yeah, we definitely are always open to talking about things. So mm, all that out, we're going to kick this off. Um, this one has been well known, but basically this is slide two, productivity performance. They look at uh, web expert using Chrome on Windows 10 and native Chrome on MacBook. They actually have decent wins. I wouldn't say it's, you know, they win in everything, basically, but there's some things where it's pretty close. They clearly have a big advantage in, in photo enhancement. That kind of buffs everything up, uh, you know. And in my write-up, I point out, look, Web Expert um, 3 and Principal Technologies, Intel has had a long relationship with. Of course, the Internet would simply want to say, well, that means it's totally made up and not valid, but... It is still a browser, a test of browser performance. And one thing I think that points out, it may be a pretty useful benchmark, even though obviously Intel had, you know, has a long relationship with the principal technology. You see uh, Steve Gamer's Nexus video with that and all that. But AMD currently Zen 3 is faster in Web Expert than high end uh, Comet Lake parts. And I think Tiger Lake as well, some of them. <laughs> I don't generally run web based benchmarks because. <laughs> if you have an M1 or a Core i7 or or a Ryzen 7 or even mid-range parts, who the hell's complaining about yeah. browser performance? So it's all I, good. I I'm not like, oh my god, I I missed you know two tenths of a second here. I, it's not really mm. a big deal to me, but they're faster there. They also did a lot more boring stuff that you would do productivity. One was they take PowerPoint using the built-in PDF export. And they export, you know, I don't know, like 200 slides in a PowerPoint to a PDF. Very realistic. It's a built-in functionality with Office. They then use the native versions of Office and do the same thing. And they pretty much kick the crap out of the MacBook M1. 
They also beat them in an Excel test. And they also, interestingly, do this like uh, calc data large sort. They basically went out and found this spreadsheet. It has like 64,000 cells or something. Somebody posted on Overclock, I think, four years ago. It's like, hey, I made this spreadsheet just to test because I do a lot of Excel spreadsheets. I want to see results from people. They went ahead and they used that on basically the, the MacBook Pro M1. And I did not mention this. It's very important. The Intel... White Book Nook laptop with a Tiger Lake 1185 uh, G7 in it. Um, the weird sort of little bit of a disconnect there is that Nook laptop is 4.4 pounds. No, uh, three, three and a half. So one of those tweener laptops, 3.5 pounds. Mm-hmm. MacBook is three pounds. Also, the, the Intel Nook has a white, white book laptop has a 15, 15 inch screen. MacBook is, of course, 13. So bigger laptop, potentially better cooling on that. Um, so you could argue that kind of skews it. But the weights are actually very similar. And I would say, unless you're totally into the footprint thing, I think weight of a laptop is more important than the actual you know, footprint of it. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes it a worthwhile thing to compare. Because even though these chips are pretty different, the fact that they're both three-pound laptops mean these are what people in the real world are going to be considering buying. Yeah, and it's yeah. we're you know I think also you got to realize when the entire world was Intel, including Apple, including PC, and it was basically all Intel. You had big ass fifteen and seventeen inch laptops with Intel H parts, and you had sub three pound with Intel U parts. That was it. Mm-hmm. There was no difference. There was never anything in between with AMD with Ryzen 4000, Ryzen 5000. That Flow X13 is three pounds with, you know, an A core high TDP part in it. We really are seeing a lot of blurring of the lines. So the weight and size gets a little weird. So I think that's fair. This, these Excel uh, benchmarks are interesting to me because kudos to Intel. They ran the native M1 version. Of yeah. uh, of Word, you know, the Office Suite, as well as Chrome for these tests. So they were doing apps that were optimized for M1, which is great. Uh, but they totally whooped in those Office tests. And it makes yeah. me wonder, is that because Intel is better? Is that because Microsoft's flagship software is better optimized on Microsoft's operating system? Uh, so it might not be as clear cut as this might say. Yeah, my, you know, my guess is... It's just simply these are early versions of Office. It's going to take mm-hmm. a while for them to get M1 performance up, but it may also never get as as good because Office has been basically running on x86 on Apple on Windows forever now. All the optimizations there, and of course Intel's army of developers—they literally have an army of developers. They're optimizing things, so I think that's very much. You know, the secret of performance these days is optimization for your hardware, and Apple enjoys that very well, and Intel also clearly enjoys that over M1 here. So I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Mm-hmm. And there's no guarantee it'll get better. Uh, of course, if you're Apple, you would say, yeah, I really don't care about speed, you know, exporting PowerPoint to PDF. <laughs> that's boring stuff. Nobody cares. But, you know, those are hefty wins. Intel did also do content creation. And I will say, they said, we tried to make it even because we know everybody's going to think we're lying and making stuff up. We tried to use native apps as much as possible where we could, some things we couldn't, and you see it here. Although they did, that first one is Handbrake. They use 1.4, the native version for M1. They use 1.33 for themselves. 
and they're, you know, slightly faster. I would say I wouldn't really call that a resounding victory because <laughs> the the MacBook M1 fan is probably going to be will not even activate because that five nanometer TSMC part is pretty amazing. I say that's kind of a tie. So uh, on that handbrake encode, but you know, if you're Intel, we're still ahead, right? And then of course this is where you get the uh, interesting thing. They do Topaz Labs. Uh, we've you've seen this before in our Ryzen 4000, the Ryzen 5000 showdowns. Uh, Topaz Labs does a lot of uh, AI accelerated image processing workloads for video and still images. It's heavily optimized for Intel's AI, and they they kick ass. They've kicked ass. You've seen that in previous reviews. Anybody who thinks this is made up and not real, this is exactly what it's like. And I will say, um, when Mac uh, Mac World ran the exact same gigapixel AI test for me, the M1 was horrible. It was actually slower than it was the slowest laptop in the entire roundup, and. The second one was a Ryzen 4000 with integrated graphics. So it obviously it doesn't run great on AMD either. So yes, it is clearly heavily optimized for Intel. Mm-hmm. That does not invalidate the fact that gigapixel AI and a lot of their, they have a lot of really, you know, forward looking image and video editing applications that are cool using AI. So you can say, uh, I don't care about this. I hear you. That's true. If you don't use it, that doesn't matter. <clears throat> but clearly things that are, are going to use Intel acceleration, Intel is going to whoop ass on. And then we got, you know, we're going to talk about that later. You got Rocket Lake coming up where we get some, you know, the acceleration brought down to 14 nanometer. <clears throat> they are going to have a lead on these applications. You can dismiss it as, oh, I don't care. But I will say that's, that's that's varying into being fanboy fangirl, you know, uh, range because you can't just simply dismiss it because you don't like the result. Clearly, these results are real and yeah, they whoop I'm, the M1's butt here. I'm curious to see if it sticks if Gigapixel AI ever gets optimized for the M1 because uh, this leans on the fact that Intel has all the machine learning optimizations built into it. Uh, yeah. Apple also did that and included the neural engine stuff inside of the M1, uh, and I'm curious to see if this program ever gets updated for M1, will that drastically improve performance if it's able to tap those Apple optimizations? Yeah, and uh, uh, Handbrake was native. Topaz is not. There is no native version. I mm. have asked Topaz, is there going to be a native version, radio silence? And mm. I think this, again, is you see the army of Intel developers say, hey, mm. you got a problem making your application run faster. We got solutions. We'll send over people to help you. NVIDIA does this, Intel does this, Apple does this. That's what really gives them these big, huge lifts in a lot of places. And I would be, I'm with you, Brad. I would love to see Topaz Labs do a native version that supports, you know, the neural engines that Apple has. But, you know, that really comes down to, our, is Apple going to say, well, look, let's let's throw, you know, a developer at them for six months, right? So you have fixed developer budgets, DevRel, go out and help people. It's going to depend on whether they care or not. I don't know. And mm-hmm. in the here and now, not as fast. But, yes, that is that is going to be an excellent question if we ever get there. Um, the next thing, of course, I'm going to speed this up because I don't want to drag it out anymore. Premiere, they're faster. Intel's faster versus native uh, M1. I've been having a back and forth with a lot of um, Apple fans, as we say on here, saying, well, that doesn't matter. 
I don't know. Adam, fa- if, if if you're on a Mac, you're going to be editing on on Final Cut. Why didn't they include Final Cut? Come on, you got to yeah. include Final Cut. Yeah, that's that's yet another trigger sign that you are being a fanboy and fangirl. Why don't you use the application that is faster and not use the one that everybody uses to favor what I want to talk about being better? Yeah, because uh, you, you <clears> put <throat> you put Final Cut in there and it's going to kick its ass. You just you yeah, don't want to yeah. include it. You're scared. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Is auto reframe? I don't even know what auto free reframe is, Adam. What, what the hell is that? Uh, it's to, it's to to reframe for for different. Uh, so say you're making a vertical video for TikTok, but you shot it in uh, sixteen by nine. Uh, well, it's it's gonna it's gonna track you know where the subject is and, and auto reframe it for you, so you can you don't have to go in and like track it the whole way. So it's actually pretty smart. I'm not making vertical video content right now, thank goodness. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I can. Imagine Imagine it, it, it's a lifesaver for some. Maybe we should do an all-vertical podcast where it's just simply vertical for, oh, for are this. You try, are you trying to just hurt Adam now? <laughs> yeah. No, that's a cool feature. Actually, okay, that sounds useful because I was like, I don't even know what you'd use that for. But clearly for people who don't know, you hold your phone this way instead of that way. That's well, pretty important, and no, Intel's showing. It's better than taking your uh, your your ten thousand dollars cinema camera and and, and mounting it <laughs> vertically. I think that's what you should do. I think that's what we should, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna have a whole business where I make a shoulder cam that that holds your ten thousand dollar rig vertically. <laughs> but obviously, it's a pretty important feature. They did use native Premiere. Um, they also did an export for uh, 4K H.264 hardware so using the cpu cores and they did a software version using quick sync and i imagine whatever they're doing in that 1.4 handbrake pretty pretty interesting i did not expect intel to have this lead here um i would really like to look at it myself in premiere i do know handbrake and when macworld is doing its tests and i i fed them some numbers to compare i was like you know i was very impressed by m1 i still think m1 is very impressive there's i think there's some optimization that could help them here but you can't just simply say, oh, this is made up, not real, you know, because it was native versus non-native. Uh, in the last couple of tests, uh, they'd use Photoshop non-native because they said, hey, this is actually, I think, a very big dig. The content-aware field doesn't even work on the beta version of Photoshop, the native beta, uh, beta M1 version. It doesn't even work, right? So, and I think content aware fill is one of those features that is heavily optimized for Intel processors. It has been for a long time. It's not going to work immediately. It's going to, it better work. If it, if Photoshop comes out in content aware fill as TBD, that is, that is a big issue. Yeah. I, I'm actually surprised that they, they, uh, they uh, are are doing as good as they are on M1. To tell you the truth, just knowing how slow Adobe is to do anything, uh, either either Apple didn't give them enough money to say, "Hey, get this get this stuff out fast," or they're just like you know sitting there on their thumbs, uh, like like usual. Uh, so I mean, I mean, <laughs> I think one day they'll get around to optimizing and adding all the features in, and then it's going to be a different story. But yeah, as of right now, they're they're doing what Adobe do. Yeah, but you know, I I think the thing is, I I you know the best Adobe it feels like sometimes Adobe is run like my supermarket. You know what? <laughs> I'm stocking these shelves. You want your Frito Lay chili cheese Frito Lays on the end cap? One, you're gonna pay for it, and two, 
you're going to come in and have your employee stock those shelves. I'm not going to pay my employees to do it. You're going to pay them to do that, right? Intel's like, hey, yeah, you need help optimizing that for this cool whatever in can tell you feature is in the CPU. We're going to do that. <laughs> Apple's doing the same thing. There's a reason why Apple is up and running and, and Adobe is up and running already so well because it's been demonstrated on iPad. It's been awesome on iPad, right? A lot of that mm-hmm. is, you think that's just simply because Adobe's like, hey, let's go out and help, uh, Microsoft, or let's go out and help Apple, who's tried to cut our throats like about 10 times over the last 20 years. Let's help them develop for iPad. A lot of this is, I really in my heart think it's DevRel from, it's from Intel, it's from Apple. And by the way, why does CUDA kick so much ass in Premiere? Because Nvidia's like, hey, we got this new technology coming. It's awesome. You want to be on the cutting edge. You need some DevRel help on this, you know? I'm not saying they're actually in there writing the code, but they're probably helping them, right? Mm. So, but, you know, that doesn't work. Same thing with Photo Merge HDR. There is no native version of Lightroom out yet. It's going to come. I think this is TBD, but clearly Intel has a decent advantage here right now. We'll see as maybe a year from now, right, what it is. And we can, we can, we can do gaming, but you know what the answer is. On the like handful of games that runs on M1, yeah, sure, really impressive, very impressive, amazing, imp- impressive. I mean, like from someone who has seen Qualcomm parts for Windows, it's like wow, this is like should floor you. For all the other games that don't work, and as Intel said, hey, by the way, these games don't work, and you know what? Even more list stuff doesn't work. Overwatch doesn't work. Crisis doesn't work. Halo MCC doesn't work. Red Dead uh, Redemption doesn't work. PUBG Monster. Hunter 2, Doom Eternal, Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, Apex Legends, Rainbow Six Siege. We could lame off another 100 games that do not work in the M1 and probably never will work. So point proven, clear, right? Uh, it's a good point, a valid point that Intel should bring up if they're going to do this. I question whether it's smart for them to just be blasting competitors for the, in the open like this to begin with. But yeah, newsflash, uh, gaming it on Mac sucks. You know, I, so, I mean, this is a very interesting discussion because, um, uh, bat, and I mean, get last one, let's do a slide eight battery life claim reality. This is a really shocker to me. Um, they're claiming that their battery life is dead on as good as the M1, right? They're basically saying MacBook Air M1 playing Netflix using Safari browser, 250 nits. They have tabs open. They didn't say what the tabs were but obviously the same on both platforms. They also ran that on Acer Swift, Core i7, 1165G7. I looked, MacBook Air M1, 50-watt-hour battery. We have actually tested that Swift 5. It has a 55-hour, 55-watt-hour battery. Screen for the MacBook M1 is actually 20, it's uh, 25 by 14. Is it a 1440p panel or 1600p? And actually on the Acer Swift, it's actually, no, wait, it's lower res. It's 16 by 10 on the MacBook Air. The MacBook Air, the Acer Swift actually has a higher res panel, which typically eats more power. They're basically both the same. Uh, I will say in our tests on the Swift 5, the battery life was fantastic. All right. It's like 13 hours on the way we run it. The way they ran it, basically 10 hours for both of them. They say Apple's claims that whole M1 18 hour uh, video rundown test was conducted at eight clicks from the bottom which their lab me- uh, measured. I frankly, I'm going to say this. I ain't got an M1. I wish I did have it to do some validation here. M1 at eight clicks up is a hundred and I think 25 or 150 nits, 
which is really, really dim. Yeah, so, that's unusably dim, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. it's interesting about these battery life claims. Uh, that's even with the browser being Chrome for the Acer Swift 5, and the Chrome on laptops is notorious for nuking the battery life. So. Yeah, you know, it depends. In, 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 10 hours is not great. So the way we do it, we use, uh, we use Windows Movies and TV. Windows Movies and TV has been the most efficient video player on Windows 10 for a long time. It, it destroys everybody. So we see about 13 hours in our video playback test, the way we conduct it. <clears throat> the way they do it, I can see 10 hours. You, you shave some of that using, you know, Chrome instead of using a native app. I do think a lot of the pickup on Apple side is because that Apple TV app is probably very much like the uh, Windows movie and TV. It's just far more efficient. But, you know, Using Netflix browser and Netflix browser and both is pretty fair. And the battery capacities are very similar. I had somebody say five watt hours is a huge difference. Higher risk panel on that Acer too. So I'd say it's kind of a wash. But mm-hmm. and, and I do want to get at what this gets to. There's a bunch of details, how they ran the test and stuff. We don't really have to get into that. I think it's interesting too. And if Ian is still here, I'd love to hear his opinion. Ian is still but here. This yeah. is. This is Intel coming out and saying, look, the narrative that came out in December, Apple hit everybody with M1, really did shock people because people expected, I frankly expected Qualcomm performance, right? And then mm-hmm. Qualcomm performance was like, woof, right? They are not Qualcomm performance. They are really stunning performance, way better. But Intel saying that narrative is like, look, our 11th gen parts we're extremely competitive. We're faster. We have this whole narrative that's developed by most of the media is M1 is faster at everything. That's got all the fanboys and fangirls saying, oh, M1 is faster at everything. 3080 desktop is faster than that. It's faster than a 3090. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like irrational kind of fanboy fangirl stuff, right? And, you know, Intel, I can see it's like, look, we need to push back on this narrative. The media... Mm-hmm. Us, I'm not doing it because, you know, I, I ain't got one to test. It's not really my thing, whatever. But I've done some Ryzen 5000 and I have done Tiger Lake on M1. But that's, you know, but I think the narrative really, they really want to get like, let's talk about this performance thing. It's not simply over. Why do people assume this is over? People are missing all these things. Do you think this is reasonable for Intel to do? Is this the right tactic? But I, I think it is because otherwise people are just going to beat them up and let Apple get away with this narrative that we're better. Right. Yeah, it's complicated. I think I don't know. I tend to subscribe to the marketing theory that you know, there's no reason to be shining a light in any sort of way on the competition. I think you know, taking direct shots at the M1 and eight Ryzen 4000 like they did earlier and stuff. I don't think it's a good look. Uh, I do get why they're trying to make these points. But yeah, <laughs> I, think, really? I think it's better just to say, hey, the competition, whatever. Like if, if NVIDIA does the same thing, you'll never hear them mention AMD or Radeon. They, and that's how Intel used to be. That's how AMD is now, although they kind of dump on NVIDIA more. And I think as far as marketing goes, I, I, it's effective because like you say, nobody was bringing this up to begin with. There's all kinds of asterisks everywhere, however. Uh, and I think it just is kind of a bad look. I, I, I guess I'm, I would disagree because I think you can, 
you can you can be Lisa Sue and AMD and said, is there somebody else that makes a CPU that competes with us? I guess you could say Apple, right? I mean, like they <laughs> totally dis. They don't even like. They don't even know Intel like they exist anymore, right? Because that is what you do when you have you have that kind of performance leadership, mindshare leadership. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is. I, I agree. I do think this is a position of weakness, but let's be honest. Intel is in a position of weakness right now, right? This has not been the most fantastic four four to five years for Intel, and they got to punch back. I think you can't just take that like we're just going to pretend you don't exist because every day I've done plenty of these briefings with analysts. They're like, what are you doing about M1? How about M1? What about Ryzen? You got to punch back. And if there is a narrative, if there is information that is not made up, and again, I don't think any of this is made up. No company makes up numbers. And you got to get that out there because nobody else is putting that messaging out there. I I think you got to, even the fact that we're talking about it has achieved what Intel wants to do. Now, of course, somebody could say we're being whatever shills for Intel, but I, I think it is, I, I think in the, position intel is in they they need to punch back you can't just say oh we're better because that is not cutting it for anybody anymore that is not working for analysts that is not working for the community and desktop eventually you get main main street going you know i heard amd's better i heard m1's better you got a real problem and you can't just let you just can't let that message run away uh, also, to earlier point, uh, Dr. Ian Cutrist uh, said uh, not mentioning the competition was the Francois policy. Francois left, Shroud joined, new policy. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I think it's you know, let's face it, they did that for a long time, and you know, AMD does it for. I, it's a policy that I think is fine when you're when you have total domination, and Intel has totally dominated PCs and Macs for most of the last decade, right? And that is not where they're at right now. So I, I think it's fair. I think it's mm-hmm. fair. Uh, also, uh, we, we did have a lot of people asking about the configurations on this stuff. So I, I think we oh. probably do want to show those slides just real quick. Just to... Yeah, let's do it. Let's do slide 19. Okay. So um, this is something that I probably should have run in the original story. I will go ahead and put them in because it is nice to see them. You want to see the details of how they tested them. Oh, and I didn't even mention Intel says, hey, you know what? The uh, MacBook M1 wouldn't even pass our Evo tests. I'm like, I'm like, Apple doesn't give a damn. <laughs> I know they're trying to put a dig in at Apple, but Apple doesn't care. It's like whatever. We don't. Apple doesn't even want the Intel badge. They want like if Intel said we will give you ten dollars off every CPU if you put the Intel badge on your MacBooks. Apple's like, we're not going to put your sticker on our. That's just the way Apple rolls. Right? I'm, I'm I mean, pretty sure you couldn't get an Evo badge without an Intel processor inside anyway. So well, that I mean, whole but, argument's kind of spurious. Also, yeah, what the I hell mean, is Intel Evo? I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think I know what that is. <laughs> it's relatively new. Oh. Yeah, we yeah we could talk about that, but we need three hours to talk oh. about it. Basically, okay. Intel has gone out and they've interviewed you know thousands of people to find out what really pisses you off when you use your computer. They write all that down. And then like, we need to fix these things. These are the things that piss people off. And then they go out and they buy laptops that are on the shelves, so not laptops that are sent to them by the OEMs. And they test them, say, and then they say, look, you, your laptop is really slow to start Zoom. One of these things is like, oh, the M1 is really slow to start Zoom. So one of their parameters is how fast can you start Zoom? So they go out and they buy X vendor's laptop. They test to see how fast it starts Zoom. If it passes, they give them the Evo sticker. Well, they probably sell it to them. It's not given, but um, so you get that Evo sticker, and 
you know, the whole idea is we're going to influence people to, to the OEMs to make better laptops the way people say what they want. And I'm sure, by the way, it's like, hey, people are not saying I want to uh, do my Cinema 4D renders in the fastest way possible. I'm going to guess most people are not saying that. So, by the way, you would not get an Evo sticker for smoking a Tiger Lake part with the Ryzen 5000 in uh, in Max in in Cinema 4D, right? So, yes, it's yeah. a way to make Intel laptops laptops that use Intel processors better. You could argue still these are real things that anger consumers. Yeah, it's basically a badge to say it's thin, uh, light, wakes up fast, long lasting. Like it's optimized around practical use cases. Yeah, and I will say it's one of those programs that will be shifting as you go because it's like the original Ultrabook program it was like, yeah, Ultrabook is like, uh, you know, look at the MacBook Air. We want PC vendors to make that. Well, how come this Acer laptop with an optical drive, 15-inch screen, and that's really big, why is that an Ultrabook? <laughs> yeah, we don't uh, – yeah, and that was a legit, that was actually a concern at that time because it went from, yeah, we want everybody to make, like, you look at the MacBook Air. That's your goal. 15-inch discrete graphics, hard drive, and optical drive Acer laptop is Ultrabook, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so let's look at that. You can see clearly this is what they use. I saw some stories because um, a lot of people said, well, Intel is cherry-picking. They switch laptops. They use their... They used the Intel Whitebook, which is a 15-inch laptop for performance testing, and then they switched to an Acer Swift for battery testing. I, I could see that, but if they had used that Acer, if they used that Intel Whitebook with a 73-watt-hour battery to go against a MacBook Air or a MacBook Pro with a, whatever, 55-watt-hour battery, that is clearly not, that's over the line. At least this is closer, 55-watt-hour battery, 50-watt-hour battery. You know, kind of closest on res panels, you know, mm -hmm. same weight, basically. I think that's fair. I, I think some of the criticisms there is kind of unfair. But, you know, you do look at that 1185G7. It is tuned up. It's a, you know, uh, do they show the PL1s? Oh, I don't know if they, I don't, I don't think they show the PL1s. But it's probably a pretty tuned up laptop. It is Intel's laptop. It is made to show off Tiger Lake. It's going to be a very tuned up laptop. There's going to be some 1185 systems that are probably Basically the same speed as that uh, MacBook Pro M1, I think, in some of these tests. Okay. Yeah. Any other slides yeah. to cover? Uh, you know, workloads. You know, they actually, let's just show it for posterity because people are going to want to see this on high res. This is slide 20. They go over their tests, how they conducted their tests. I know, Internet, it's all fake. It's made up. They use that same technology they used to fake the landing on Mars by the Capricorn missions. I know to do all these things. Uh, these are the tests. These are how they ran ran them. Uh, again, it, you know, yeah, sure, you always want to take things with a grain of salt. I don't think they're wholesale made-up cloth. Do I think they could possibly be selected to show themselves in the best light? I'm sure they are because – nobody's going to pick benchmarks you show people and show the press to show how terrible your products are. Nobody does that. So everything basically is cherry-picked. But at the same time, these are pretty real. We're going to show one more just to document it. Let's show slide 21. Oh, actually, we don't need to. That's gaming because we know Macs are <laughs> terrible at gaming. Right? So it's very interesting. You know, I, you know, a lot of people, they really... 
they really, I know, immediately go, well, I take this with a, you know, this is all fake. I think, yeah, you gotta, you understand, you have to be, yeah, you have to approach it with skepticism because I want to see, I'd love to see it. I don't have an M1. I'm not going to go out and buy an M1 to test it. But I do believe they're real. Do I believe it tells the whole story? You know, probably not. I think there's definitely, M1 has plenty of wins. At the same time, I think, you know, Tiger Lake has plenty of wins too. I've already seen that. We've already demonstrated Tiger Lake has plenty of wins and it, it's all very laptop dependent. But, you know, they got to punch back. And I'm sorry, I like, I know people think it's it's below a company to punch back, but I think you have to do that. They have to change this runaway story. M1, I will literally tell, I've had people tell me M1 is, on Twitter, this person said M1 is faster in video coding. All video coding. Like, you mean, you can't say all video encoding. It's just simply not true. There's going to be things where it's slower, right? You can't. No, it's faster in all things. And they stand <laughs> by that. What You really think it's going to beat a, a 3080? Or it's just like, well, I don't. It's not. But you know, just sort of like you got to run away from the attitude. And that's what um, you're, you're facing. So I, I think it's, it's totally fair. And the, the interesting part to me is, like I said, I'm not sure that they should be dissing competitors directly if that's a good look or not but if they're going to i think they should almost embrace this and lean into it like in a more hard direction like reading this there's a lot of interesting things to me that i think they could make an ad campaign out of like you know here's five things you can't do on your m1 macbook like pointing out the fact that you can't have two external monitors you can't use egpus oh, yeah. You know, it, M1 doesn't work with Ableton, Bitwig Studio, Avid Pro Tools, stuff like that that developers like. Like, that all matters to developers. And even ignoring gaming, which they should totally throw in at the end there, uh, like, there is a good anti-Apple story that could be told through, you know, you're buying this, you want to use it for everything, you can't use it for everything yet, come to Intel. Yeah. Uh, so I think if they, they crystallize that, they could actually, like, sell ads with that stuff. Yeah, I don't know if they want to get quite in their face <laughs> like that. It's interesting because, you know, you know, they did point out, we didn't mention here, but there are a ton of plugins. You can go read Apple Forms. There's just tons of plugins and things that don't work mm-hmm. yet. I am sure, as we said, with Apple developer, you know, power and the fact that a lot of those music users use those laptops, it will get there. But right now, there's a lot of things that don't work. So... I think the danger there is then, you know, hey, they do get native support. And by the way, in Ableton or whatever, like we kick all kinds of butt, you know, mm-hmm. it can be dangerous there. But, uh, you know, Microsoft has actually been advertising. They have an ad with the Surface Pro 7 versus the Mac, the new M1 MacBook. And they're like, and the kid is like, one is just boring laptop, you you know, and then you saw the mm-hmm. Surface with the pen and the tablet. And, you know, Surface is all kind of awesome stuff, right? Uh, real quick before we move on, I uh, do have two super chats. One from a friend of the show, VC Jester, gave us $5. Thank you so much. Said 2020 sucked, but that is the year I found the full nerd. Silver lining in every cloud. Uh, thank you, VC Jester. Um, also, $5 from LaSalle Rhymes third friend of the show. I uh, said, good afternoon. Great show so far. Let's, uh, let's keep it going. Uh, so thank you. Thanks, Thank dude. you to those. Um, so yeah, there... <clears throat> The, the the note about uh, we, we have some people in chat talking about creative stuff because uh, obviously there there is uh, Apple has kind of hung their hat on on creatives uh, that's definitely a place where they <laughs> 
where they have kind of I, I i wouldn't say a market share but i would say like a hey if mind you own share. a creative a mind share yes thank you if if, if you right. own you know if you're creative you're probably going to want a mac i i know a lot of creatives who have macs i mean I, I i still do but i also know a lot of people like myself who got fed up with macs and and were in in scenarios where hey i just use adobe well, I could look how Adobe runs on the Mac, or I could look how Adobe products run on the PC. Okay, well, I, it's gonna, it's better on the PC, so I'm, I'm gonna go over there. I've, I've personally known plenty of people who have, who have done that. I don't, I can't think of anybody that I've personally known that said, "Hey, I'm gonna switch over to Mac." Uh, and, and even I, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone switching over to Mac just to get on uh, Final Cut either. Like, I think if you're in that ecosystem, you love it cool it's great uh but switching i've heard a lot more examples at least in my creative circles uh of people switching away from apple rather than to apple uh not that there's not a lot of creative still on apple i i would say the the one caveat is audio uh i actually still believe uh max play better with audio programs like pro tools uh than what i've experienced uh on windows um I've heard of it. I, I've heard a lot of it is like kernel-based stuff uh, that is just yeah. easier for audio applications. So that's the one concession that I say. Actually, if, if you're into audio, you're probably on on Mac. Oh yeah, but yeah, no, and I agree there. That's the thing that kind of drives me crazy about this Mac Pro. It's called a Mac Pro, right? The Mac Air, whatever. I get it. The Mac Pro, though, like the fact that it doesn't support a Wacom drawing tablet's a big deal for the kind of people that MacBook Pros target. The fact that it doesn't support multiple external monitors, like that's a big deal. The fact that it doesn't have Photoshop's content-aware fill, that's a big deal. And, you know, I think Intel is well within its rights to point all of that out here. Yeah, I think they're fair shots. I do think, though, it's going to... I, do I believe in 12 months all these things will not work? Well, eGPU is clearly ain't going to work, but a lot of those things I think will – so one of the things is if you have a Thunderbolt 4 dock, apparently the multi-panel support does not work on a MacBook. So yeah. something I think something they're already there. rolling – I believe I read that they're already starting to roll in Xbox controller support as of the last beta, so some of these things are going to get knocked out pretty quickly. Yeah. It's a work in progress, right? It's clearly mm-hmm. a work in progress. It'll get there. But yeah, you know, and I, that's why I'm, I'm very forgiving. I, to me, it's, it's not a big deal that a bunch of this stuff doesn't work. I think they're all in a few months. This nobody will even remember the, the part where they didn't work. So I don't think that's frankly as big a deal as, as I do. Trying to make it. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's no, why I, I never buy it's the same with the RTX 20 series, man. The ray tracing, that's cool, but it doesn't really work. And it doesn't really, in, in any games, it doesn't work very well in the games that it does. Like, this is a first generation product, and there's always going to be issues. And I think all of these things we're discussing are very real issues. Uh, and that's why you should not buy a first gen product. Well, I think it's one of those things where it's our comfort levels with where we think the direction is going. And for me, it was never, I never felt uncomfortable with ray tracing where RTX is going because I knew this was where we were headed. I also thought that the value in having, you know, the, you know, the tensor cores and RTX cores is going to make it for me, would have been a better investment of my 650 or $700 for 2080 instead of a 1080 Ti at the time. Cause you know, newer technologies have have a better chance of giving you more than basically something that's at the end. And I think mm-hmm. 
it's comfort levels. And I understand you because you know what? 1080 Ti was an awesome card, is an awesome card. But, and you start to get to those more forward looking things, it's starting to a little weaker and I'm more comfortable with that. And I, I'm, you know, again, I know everybody thinks and all of these, you know, fanboys and fangirls that have been just biting at me. Like, I think honestly, I don't think any, I don't think any of the compatibility issues with, you know, M1 is an issue. It's not a long term issue at all. So it's going to suck right now, but you know, I think it's not a big deal going forward. So. I'm okay with it. And, you know, again, I would not recommend that 99% of Mac users, if you're only going to buy Mac, I would not buy an Intel-based Mac unless you have something you absolutely have to run on Intel hardware. It's clear. And Apple wants to do, this is their future. They are, this is where you would be crazy to buy an x86-based Apple, I think, right now. Yeah, actually, I I had a... a, uh... Uh, an old classmate there that I went to, to audio engineering school with in, in 2008, he literally called me yesterday saying, hey, I, I got a grant to upgrade my the hardware in my recording studio. What, what's up with this M1? Should I should I do that? Should I switch to Windows? Should I just hold on to what he has? So like, the, there's definitely a lot of people waiting to see what happens or, or not not willing to dip their toe in and just wait, especially for, I mean, if you think about production people like myself, for me, I need to know it works. There, there's a lot of people who are like, you know what? I, I'm not, I'm not just going to wade my water into M1 and hope that it works one day. If I have something that's working, I'm going to stick here because I know it's working and just wait until I know I can for sure use it. Uh, at least, you know, at the, the, the level of people yep. that, that I know. So it's, it's, it's not, it's not a game of like, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dive in or I'm going to switch willy nilly to, to one thing or another. It's, you know, this is serious business. Uh, so Yeah. In a production. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say that I honestly think too that like with the M1 launch, like I would say a lot of people who are buying MacBooks aren't really going to be putting it through their paces. So they're not really going to notice that it's first gen hardware. And, and, and because of that, I think that's why. Apple can get away with, so to speak, pushing it out there and like saying like, yeah, like, you know, so Gordon will say like, yeah, like the support will be coming within the year. And then Brad rightly points out that, you know, why are people paying for first gen hardware? And I think it's honestly that so many of the adopters won't notice it. Like if my friends who all work at big tech companies are getting new M1 MacBooks to program on, they're not really going to care about everything we've just talked about, honestly. Yeah. yeah, and I do I do agree with you, Adam. In a production, when you have to have it absolutely working now, then, yeah, you would buy a current x86 Apple Mac. But, I mean, the future well, is well, with ARM. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I told him, I was like, don't, like, even though he's thinking about it, like, I, I was like, it's not it's not worth it to go until I stick with what you have if, you know, if you yeah. can make it work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wouldn't you recommend that person just simply buys a, you know, MacBook Pro 16 or one of the bigger desktops even because it'll still work. And if it works, if the workflow works, you got to go with it. It's like crazy people. Now, this is to me, it's like crazy people saying you should, you should stop using Premiere and start using Final Cut, right? Mm-hmm. You should switch just because it runs better. Um, <laughs> That's easier said than done, man. It doesn't yes. work that way. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I still think that there's a lot hanging over the head too of uh, Apple is still selling a Mac Pro 
with an Intel or, you know, base chip that, that is very much for high production environments. Uh, I, I still don't know what that's going to translate when they try to switch that over to M1. I think it'll be cool. I mean, whatever they come out with, you put that, we'll see if it scales up, but you got to imagine they have a roadmap to make those things work too. They don't want to keep those around. So it'll be very interesting. I think it'll be awesome sauce at what it does. But, you know, I think the problem is it's now an island. The Mac is now on an island like it was in the PowerPC days. And in a lot of ways, it won't really matter. I mean, basically buy what you want. I mean, it, it, who cares? Just if you need access to the very best NVIDIA GPUs, buy a PC, right? If you need whatever Apple is pushing, buy whatever Apple is pushing. It's just, you know. Cool. My final thoughts on this is I was caught up in Gordon's Twitter mentions because I tweeted about this. <laughs> and holy crap, uh, some of y'all need to chill out on the internet. Uh, both sides. Fanboyism is not good. These are all companies trying to take your money. Like, I thought Gordon's article is very even-handed both ways. Like, rightly pointed out when Intel won and rightly pointed out when they're being silly, like with the Evo certification. Uh, some of y'all need to chill. <laughs> you got much better things to do than to yell at people on the internet on the weekend for doing a fair article. <laughs> yeah, no, no it's crazy. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's expected, right? I mean, it's, mm. and I will say it's, I mean, yeah, it's hard. But I have no problems. I, I, I'm not the kind of person that's going to block somebody because I feel discourse. You always talk to people. Doesn't matter what their opinions are. The whole point is to communicate, maybe change minds. Uh, but for I think for the Mac, let's face it, it. You know, I've I've because I am clearly a PC person. I have had it's been the funnest ride for a long time to make fun of Macs, especially Mac <laughs> laptops, because I mean they're just simply oh my god, overpriced and inferior in so many different ways. Oh, slower. I mean, there's just sort of like it became I mean, it got, it got to the point where it's like it's not even worth it to make fun of Intel-based Mac laptops. They were always slower, always overpriced and like what are you? I mean, they were for what they did, which is they were the very best laptop you could buy to run OS 10. But it was just it got to the point where it's like this is like kind of sad, right? It's just kind of sad. It's like it's like if you are a cheese fan and you've been making fun of Raiders fans for a long time, <laughs> it gets pretty boring after a while because the Raiders. I'm I'm sitting here in a Raiders jury jersey in front of the Oakland Coliseum. They've sucked for a long time, <laughs> and I will admit that. But I, you know, if suddenly Raiders won a game and they won, maybe you know, uh, start getting in your face, then you know it's actually. Then you can, it's actually better to make fun of people when, or at least to have that back and forth when it's worth, it really was like Apple fan, you know, I mean, it was, I mean, every in the Mac crowd was so, so downtrodden, like, oh my God, like <laughs> they came out with this, you know, new MacBook and they didn't do any optimizations and this thing like power throttled like crazy, just like running a browser. It was like, what, you know, it's just kind of <laughs> like, it was just like. It was just terrible, right? Now this is mm -hmm. like these are the I I love these Macs. They are the awesome yeah. thing ever. Competition's good for everybody. It's it's the best thing ever, you know. If you could buy the stuff, we're really in a golden age for all sorts of chip parts and PCs and laptops. Yeah, no, it's it's the best thing ever, right? I mean, it feels like the crop of laptops and desktops we're going to get over the next five years are going to be astounding. So. Mm -hmm.
Yeah. Uh, are, are any of those laptops going to be running Rocket Lake? Uh, I guess this is more desktop news. Which, uh, I yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I missed that one. Yeah, out. not unless this not probably did. No, there's probably going to be like an Origin PC, big Eon 17X that has desktop yeah. Alienware. In it. Yeah, yeah. There okay, there we go. <laughs> you know, it would be. I would be interesting if they could put a Rocket Lake into even the that those desktop replacement. I mean, they're beyond desktop replacement. Those are like. 8- and 12-pound laptops. It'd be interesting if you could put Rocket Lake in. Uh, we're just going to summarize what the latest is. Uh, according to Tom's Hardware today, <clears throat> vendors are sneakily adding Rocket Lake support for the H410 and B460 motherboards. They're saying that Gigabyte has done this to a couple boards. Um, <clears throat> and they're saying sneakily because, um, according to Paul Alcorn's story, also of of uh, Tom's Hardware, and I will not take this opportunity to make fun of Paul Alcorn because unlike Brad, who was wearing his Buccaneers uh, jersey with Brady, I believe, on it. Yes, sir. Um, I suspect things were not quite as celebratory in Kansas City <laughs> over the weekend. But uh, uh, Paul Alcorn did uh, say that, you know, one of the, the two chipsets that did not support it were those two chipsets we just did mention because they were built on a 22 nanometer process. So the Tom's uh, hardware story from today is basically saying they're wondering if Gigabyte is basically taking their down binning uh, other chipsets in order to get Rocket Lake support. And of course, Intel uh, Rocket Lake is Intel's next desktop part. It is uh, Ice Lake cores with graphics cores from Tiger Lake parts put into a 14 nanometer desktop part. Uh, there is yeah. XE XE or is yes XE and you know, of course, you know, we always get excited about Geekbench because, you know, if you run Geekbench once and you don't identify who it's from or what it's run on, that is the answer to everything on the Internet. And you can argue about that forever. There was a leak score saying a Core i9-11900K Rocket Lake part. Single-threaded performance in Geekbench is 13% faster than a Ryzen 9 5950X, which is technically the fastest 59 uh, Zen 3 part, so... Oh, it, I mean, if, if it's in Geekbench, it's got to be true, then. It's got to be true, especially <laughs> a, leaked, a leaked result. I swear to God, I still want to make my tool where I can just put in results. Like, <laughs> you know, you know how it's submitted to them. You just put in the results, the model number, the clocks, and then make up your number and put it in. And then people are like, you, oh, my God, Geekbench. It's, it's not as difficult to do that as you would think for several of the benchmarks out there. And that's why you should always take those leaks with a grain of salt. Well, that's why I want an actual tool, like actually maybe a, a website you go to to like you pick whatever benchmark to just submit scores for fun, you know? Yeah. I bet you I can figure that out pretty quick, actually. I don't that know if that fun. would – what would that turn the, re, the, the, leak, the leak press into, the, everybody who loves re-reporting these? And everybody sort of does it because – and they do it in a breathless manner too because, whoa, 13% faster – it's a big deal. Okay, is that overclocked? Is it stock? Is that you know liquid nitrogen? I, I don't know. So, so what does this news practically mean? I, I haven't I haven't read this article, so I'm not 100 percent sure what this well, practically means for anybody. Also, also, I if, was, if I could add to that, like how, how does it expand upon what was talked about during CES when they talked about some of this motherboard support? I was actually kind of dismissive of it. It's like who the hell cares? Because I mean, no offense. But 
You're going to be the kind of cheap bastard who's going to buy an H410 motherboard and want to put in like a Rocket Lake part. You're going to go buy the highest end CPU. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't track. So I don't think it was a big deal. Um, but looking at the list from Paul Alcorn, sorry, Paul, about Sunday. Um, <laughs> Just put that salt right in the wound. No, it's great. Uh, Patrick it Mahomes set a Super Bowl record. He scrambled for 497 yards throughout the really? course of the evening behind the oh, line of scrimmage. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's really mean. With a hurt toe. That's, <laughs> that's really mean. And I will say, not saying as a Raiders fan, because we did really well when we went against the Bucks last time we were in the Super Bowl. That was mm-hmm. a, that was a that classic. Was also Ra- a that was it was a classic. <laughs> I love telling this story because like, okay, uh, we traded our our uh, our coach to the Bucks. Should we change any of our playbook? No, nah, let's just keep it the same. <laughs> but Gruden took our playbook with him. He wrote a lot of the plays. He, he took our McDonald's playbook with him, like McDowell's. <laughs> Shouldn't we change something? Nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Apparently the Buccaneers were like, they said like, cause, cause Gruden, when he was coaching the Bucks, hey, he's back at the Raiders now, right? Yay. Mm-hmm. When they were in practice, he would do all the, he would basically, he would, he would, do all the play call like how Gannon was because he coached Gannon. He knew how Gannon. They said it was like in the actual Super Bowl. It was like they knew exactly what Gannon was going to do because Gruden had coached them. He was so well at simulating it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go Chiefs. Um, <laughs> the list. The list that Paul has is very interesting because they do say they do show you know LGA twelve hundred parts from obviously that high end Core i nine eleven nine hundred K part with eight cores sixteen threads. They're showing it down as six core, twelve threads, you know, non K parts. These are F parts, and then also some Comet Lake R parts, which are obviously clearly Comet Lake refresh parts. So I, I think you actually could see somebody using, you know, a cheapskate board with, you know, a moderately high performance Rocket Lake part. So maybe it's a good deal. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the takeaways. So it, to me, I sort of like I think, you know, a lot of Intel launches like, hey, we got i nine ninety nine hundred K. And then the other parts will trickle in over the next three months, right? It feels mm-hmm. like this will be like, hey, we got, bam, we got them everywhere. We are going to, we are going to shock and awe AMD by dropping these parts everywhere. You are going to get one in the mail, <laughs> like with the soap that you used to get in the 1960s. You are going to get a Rocket Lake CPU. It just kind of mm-hmm. feels like, because why? Why would you? Oh, even, we're too young. We're too. Young. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would you like? For me, why would you even care about Rocket Lake? In a you know basically a ninety five dollar motherboard, except that these parts it looks like it will be a very very large portfolio, possibly in with very large availability. Which you know the way Zen three has been going right now, you know Intel they really could you know change everything. I and mean, we've already seen people saying Intel is really good enough. This is they are really good chips, and you can get them. And yeah, yeah. you know I I think Rocket Lake is really gonna. I really hope AMD gets some Zen 3 parts into the supply at some point. If they're, if you can buy them, that trumps whether or not they're 5% slower, 5% faster versus Ryzen. If you can't buy a Ryzen chip, then you can buy an Intel chip, then you're going to buy an Intel chip. Yeah. I've been not going crazy with it. Like I haven't been following, haven't signed up for email lists. I haven't done any of the crazy bot stuff or anything. But I've been looking to get a 5600X since they came out, basically. Oh. Uh and haven't had great luck. Oh, 
You should have told me. Sorry, I've been keeping track of that. I can just pass you the news next time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, next time you see one for sale, let me know. I'll let hey, you know. <laughs> I got I got one from a PC World deal. Really? A fifty six hundred X. Yeah, our our oh. affiliated st- storefront was selling them. <laughs> Oh, well, I guess, as I said, I wasn't trying very hard, but yeah. every time that I have gone by to pick one up, I haven't yeah, been able fair. to. I, I've been trying to get a 5900X. Ooh, that's hard. That one's hard. Um, to your point, though, Gordon, I'm kind of curious because this is not an official uh, rollout. Like, this is like just a motherboard vendor, I think, just like sneaking it behind Intel's back, so to speak. So, yeah. I'm kind of wondering what the strategy is behind that because, I mean, I feel like unless Intel was willing to loosen the strings a bit, they can't really say, like, hey, look at us. We're giving you all the things that AMD has been saying that they give you for years. Well, that is only on low end. Um, I think that's where it matters more. I mean, like, honestly, if you have money to throw down on, like, an i9 part, like, are you really going to care as much? I mean, on paper, it sounds great. And we talk about this, right? We love the idea of being able to reuse that motherboard. And it is great. But realistically, I wonder how many people are actually going to be doing that and would care in that space. Like, it almost feels like if I was a core i5 kind of builder then i would care a lot more about it yeah that's i don't think it matters that much i i do think you know gigabyte doing this one it could be because it's like wow you know there could be a lot of these parts out there where we want to be able to cover everything it could also be man you know uh, chipset availability is really throttled on some of these parts we are not getting these low-end parts maybe we take a a two dollar loss and use a you know binned up Pro, uh, chipset and we just call it this because we want to sell at this at this uh at this price range price point as people like to say yeah. um it might be that um they could have also made a bunch from the selling the desktop oem systems and they just want to keep using it since they have the supply chain going supply chain so crazy right now yeah yeah i uh the interesting part to me of all this is I just find it fascinating how the motherboard makers and Intel constantly have this weird push-pull back and forth with each other. Like, you'll off always see. This is not the first time we've seen, like, Gigabyte sneakily doing this to enable something that Intel doesn't want. I remember a year or two ago, there was a thing where motherboard makers were rolling out BIOSes where you could overclock any chip, not just the K-series chips. And that got shut down pretty quick. But you could still roll beta BIOSes and stuff. And I just I find it interesting watching the push-pull relationship between the motherboard vendors and Intel. Yeah, no, it's it is really funny because they are, there's always you know it just tells you how competitive it is too. With if you have anything that sort of gives you an edge over your competitor in this razor thin market, then mm-hmm. I, I think they do it. And they love they love doing those crazy things. I think you know we like seeing the crazy stuff, and of course mm-hmm. the problem is then we go like, hey, are you going to support this? Intel's like, no, we're not supporting it. It's it's their problem. It's on them if they're going to qualify it themselves. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. And you know they do shut things down. You know, it's it's one of those things where Intel has traditionally been extremely conservative. They've had some really, really major, you know, experiences where they had to basically pay everybody for a, a new part and replace it. And I think that has taught them you you don't you don't make these mistakes. You can't. And also, you know, I I'm sure from Intel's point of view, it's that like people have higher standards of of our company. They don't they want to they want to see stuff not work. So mm-hmm. that's why we do these things. We cross all the T's and dot all the I's. That's probably also part of it. it it's ingrained with them. 
I mean, yeah. a lot of times and that's why they break. They have to break sockets, right? They're like, you know what? It's just not going to work. There's going to be an edge case where somebody blows something up, and we can't have that risk. So we're going to and to and to be fair, they're really good at it. Like you'd never hear about Intel instability problems like you have. Like when the first generation rise and the first couple generations, there's always like, oh, we have this hot fix. It won't work with Destiny two, or stuff like that. You never hear that with Intel, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Like you can just know that you're going to pick up an Intel product and it's probably going to work. Yeah, no, I've had people chirp at me saying, you know, you know, memory issues and these kind of issues with the Ryzen. I and I do think, you know, it's never, yeah, they don't have quite the experience, quite the resources of Intel. But I also don't think people should overstate. Mm-hmm. Don't think that you're going to go out and buy a Ryzen part and a Ryzen motherboard and it's going to like, oh my God, it's like a ten percent chance it's just not going to work. It's like no, it's like no. The chances are so very slim. You're probably never going to see any issues. So mm-hmm. I think it's, but yes. If you get into that really, really high percentage of things are probably going to work, Intel, you know, clearly has the edge there. Nice. Uh, any any more to talk about uh, Rocket Lake or should we move on? We'll see, right? They still haven't said when, but I think I'm very excited for it um, to see. You know, I, I think it'll be interesting. And it's probably not even about performance. It's going to only re- – the story will be about availability. If you can buy a Rocket Lake, that's – you know, slightly faster than games, going to get its butt whooped in multi-core for the vast majority of people who do not do 3D rendering and do those high core count tasks. It's going to be a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, moving to the next section, uh, I I have some photos to show. Uh, oh. Because um, we, we had some talk over in our Fulner Discord, a great community. Uh, there's a link in the description if you want to join, uh, talking about... Um, the gpu mining stuff and i i I don't really follow it uh i I know brad uh you kind of follow it uh because of the gpu stuff but uh there there was a a a bunch of photos going around of uh uh, 30 series rtx 30 series laptops in uh in in these big uh setups Let, let me oh no that is the the wrong photo uh let me get the the photos set up but yeah it's it's just stacks and stacks of of these 30 series laptops just chilling on uh shelves uh just mining and uh, i i didn't yeah. know that you could actually mine with a laptop number one uh that's probably just me because I, I don't follow it but also number two like man availability on desktop parts is bad and we've been saying for weeks now hey you know maybe you should look into laptops but it looks like laptops are going to be a problem now too like what the hell is going yeah. on with this yeah, that's, those are super disheartening. I think Video Cards has done a couple of articles based on that recently, and we've not had the conditions before where it was profitable for these big GPU mining operations to buy whole systems, laptops, to do this. And that's not good news for GPU availability in the short term. So the issue right now, there's a couple different things. Uh, we've had this ongoing issue with availability just because of demand and the world being what it is today. But right now, Bitcoin's exploding even more so after Tesla just said they bought like $1.5 billion of it yesterday. <clears throat> but more importantly for what we care about, uh, Ethereum, an alternate coin, is also exploding. And that coin can't use ASICs like you do for Bitcoin. That gets done through graphics cards with, with memory. And that's also been booming real hard. And that's what's driving this cryptocurrency boom 
and makes it so apparently now you can make money using a laptop, which is crazy. I was looking at, there's a, a quick and easy setup you could do if you wanted to start using your own graphics card to do this kind of stuff. There's a thing called NiceHash, uh, which basically you sign up for it, you tell your computer to run, it automatically assigns stuff to you, page you out, depending on what people are paying that day. And usually throughout history, like if you can make a couple bucks a day with your graphics card, great. There are times when, you know, you would lose money if you tried that. But people are like, hey, you know, if I have my RTX 2060 and I can make two bucks a day having that running overnight, then I can, you know, pay my electric bill at the end of the month. Uh, but these days, like I was just looking it up. And if you have like an RTX 3090, you are making $15 a day running Ooh. that, doing this. Which if you add that up times 30, that's quite a bit of money each month. Things like the 3080 is making 10 to 12 bucks a day as well right now. And it's not going to last forever. That's the way bubbles work. Eventually they pop. But right now, like, <laughs> I'm not expecting there to be very much GPU availability anytime soon Ooh. with this going the way that it is. I, the, so the question I have is that, uh, you know, I we lived through the GPU mining craze of a couple years ago. Is this, it, this seems kind of worse because it's, it's compounding off of the fact that yeah. there's limited availability anyway. So, like, is this... Is it better it is or worse? worse? <laughs> yeah, worse? Okay. Yeah, it's worse. <laughs> it I, was, worse. I was reading one of the Reddit hardware forums, either hardware, NVIDIA, or PC, one of the PC ones. And someone was talking about, they're so crazy right now that you've used GPU prices because people want them for mining and to play games because they can't get the new ones. Somebody sold his 1080 Ti four or five years later for the same price he bought it for when he got it four or five years ago. And that's just wild. <laughs> Uh, actually, it's like all ends of the stack too. I think I mentioned on last week's show that like friend of a friend paid like three fifty for a GTX was like ten fifty or ten fifty Ti. That's crazy. Like that. It was nuts. But if you are lucky enough to have a graphics card right now and you don't mind, you know, using the electricity to get in on some of that, uh, there's this program called NiceHash. You can go check it out. You might want to look into it you might be able to make some extra money in a time when a lot of people need extra money. So uh, I'm actually interested because of the lap. This, I mean, the, they've never gone to the extremes of using laptops before. It's always been about desktops for most mining operations. I kind of wonder if it's really going to hold up because remember that when the original, you know, when, when people were going crazy with radions and mining, mm -hmm. they were popping those cards. Cause it's like, you know, the, the board makers are like, we didn't make our card run at a hundred percent. <laughs> for for six months straight, you're gonna mm -hmm. you're, you're gonna nuke this thing. I'm gonna bet a lot of the laptops are not really made to run 24 seven either. Oh you know, yeah, that's just that's just not normal. But you're gonna nuke a you know a two thousand to three thousand dollar laptop. That's seems harder. It's that's worse than blowing up a you know eight hundred dollar video card. Well, I'm sure the idea of the profitability still factors in like the dual graphics cards, the idea of reselling it at some point, you know, if you can, because a large part of GPU mining ties into efficiency and memory capacity. So if you get a 3070 laptop, eight gigabytes of memory, very efficient tuned version of the thing. So it's low power. Uh, I mean, you know, that's going to do very well at mining with what the mining market is today. And so if you could do that ride this bubble for the next however long it lasts if it lasts two or three months if you're making you know eight bucks a day times 30 that's that's a lot 
and then you resell yeah. it for two thirds of the price after. Yeah, I mean that's the bummer part is is you're gonna get somebody's gonna get one of these laptops that have been ridden hard and put away wet and yeah. I I do wonder what the lifespan of that laptop will be after after being yeah. used that hard. One hundred percent, and that's what sucks because that's what we've always said about buying used GPUs since all this started. Like you don't know if it got hit with by a miner who just really ride those hard. So that's part of the reason we don't recommend buying used graphics cards as much unless you can get a really good deal. Having to worry about that with laptops too, that really sucks because gaming laptops are very sensitive integrated systems and I don't would not want to buy one that's been mining for three months straight. No, no, <laughs> I would not either. But yeah. yeah. Also on the, on the racks, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's different kinds of photos uh, that, that I'm showing, but some of them on the on the racks have the lid propped open. There's some of them that actually have it in like a like a, a tent shape, uh, you know. So and then some of them are just all, all the way closed on a rack. Uh, I mean, I yeah, I, wow. I, I I guess some of it is better for you know getting the heat uh, dissipated out. But I, I guess at that point, I mean, if you're you're pushing it that hard, it probably is not doing enough to help. Well, I don't know if you noticed, Adam. Actually, in the one picture where it's all closed, there is a inordinate number of fans in the window <laughs> that i think are is linked to those oh yep systems. yep yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're building if you have a crazy enough mining rack going on that you're buying freaking laptops you have cooling you have air conditioner you have fans well uh, that's what actually what, one, one of the photos i'm showing it right now has a pile of five laptops on each other lid closed it just That's laptop on laptop on laptop on laptop. <laughs> they're space. They are spaced though. It looks like. Oh, are they? Oh, yeah. It looks like there's space between them. Oh, yeah. Not a oh. lot. So it makes me wonder, like, what you're not seeing in the in the shot. Like, there could just be like an industrial fan off to the side blowing <laughs> yeah. on them. Yeah. That's bleak though. Like, that's real bleak for the yeah. prospects of getting sure. graphics cards and gaming laptops anytime soon. Actually, we we just got a good super chat. Uh, Five dollars from South Memphis. Thank you so much. Uh, said, can consoles uh, be altered for mining? Like, what if that's the next step that that people start pulling consoles uh, and, and mining? I believe people have looked into it in the past because uh, Xbox basically just runs a modified version of Windows Ten. But the problem is it didn't wind up being efficient enough to be worth the headaches. Wow, you can't even use consoles for mining? <laughs> well, you might was, be able to now, I don't know. That was 2018. Yeah. I was running some old hardware, at yeah. least on half it, of it. So uh, it might be different, as Brad just said, now. Yeah, Series X with 16 gigabytes might be a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, fun times. Go play GeForce now. So, <laughs> does this does this uh i think it was the last episode where we were talking about availability i mean we always get that question right is, mm-hmm. is when, when are cards going to be available N- knowing that this mining thing is is hitting the way it is does it does that push back your recommendation of or not recommendation but kind of guesstimate of of when cards are going to be available <laughs> yeah it's it's getting real bad getting real bleak uh, I was saying, you know, it's going to be at least a few months just because of demand and logistics issues. You add, this is a very, very big bubble for Ethereum and Bitcoin right now. And Dogecoin, as May goes around the news, it's it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would be interested to see how much how much the hash rate is on a mobile part versus a desktop part. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I mean, you know, we've talked about it, but, you know, clearly the the mobile 
RTX 30 series are are steps down from the desktop version, but I'm I'm very interested to see just how what the performance is versus a desktop part, and of course you sort of make up for that because they are so um, very optimized for power efficiency. But it'd be <laughs> interesting to see if they're less if you if it's actually better to have a desktop or whether it's just like we can't get desktop cards, so we're doing laptops now, or whether laptops are like, hey, these are actually way better. Well, I'm sure it's strike while the iron's hot because, like, right now is when, like, the past couple of weeks, the past month, but especially the past couple of weeks, like, Ethereum has been soaring, and you need consumer graphics cards or at least, you know, workstation graphics cards to mine that. So if they're just looking to – if they have the free capital to buy those, resell them, just keep them churning, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it sucks. I don't know where this all ends as far as the, the mining. I, I mean, again, I don't understand mining. I just use, you know, cold, hard cash. So I'm, I'm, I'm confused by it all. So, Yeah, I, uh, I think in the future it's, it's going to wind up being – it seems like GPU mining is here to stay, at least for the near term. We've been suffering through this for, what, five years now, off and on? And I don't know if – consumer graphics cards are going to be able to be reliably purchased unless NVIDIA and AMD like purposefully nerf these things for mining and, you know, really separate mining cards that they charge more for or some, something like that. Well, uh, like, to that point, we actually had somebody on, on discord. I've seen it a couple of times uh, saying that they're, they're convinced that AMD and Intel are selling directly to miners. Have you heard any, uh, anything to back up that that theory? What, what do you think? I mean, I've seen I've seen lots of reports that say that, and especially when you're looking at you know these farms full of the same laptop or full of the same graphics card. Somewhere in the chain is selling it. Uh, but yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if you have a pallet of these things in your business, and the GPU mining farms like, hey man, instead of paying you you know, the $500 MSRP for those 3070s, I will give you 550 bucks and buy two pallets of them. Then it makes business sense to sell it to them. Yeah. So you it's, it's kind of hard to hate on them. Yeah. No, I mean, that is the one thing I know everybody's kind of like angry, but it's just, you know, they're, yeah. they're not stealing them. They're, it's legitimate. It's not yeah. illegal. They're like, we'll pay you more. We, you can waive the warranty kind of a deal with some of the, the rumors I've seen around there, like that kind of stuff. Like, it makes sense for a business to sell to that, even though it sucks for the rest of us. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've been looking into – I'm cont- continuing to look at scalpers and mm-hmm. sort of where they're securing stuff and who's selling stuff. Uh, I will say there's this one person on eBay who sold like 500 Radeon cards. And I was like, where in the world do you think they get that cards? And the person I was talking to said, you know, probably they bought it from a distributor. Yep. You know, because his, his example is uh, this is this one miner who had a wall full of matching NVIDIA cards. And, you know, you go to the distributor and you say, hey, here's a check for 80 grand. You're a customer, you're a paying customer. And I've just got I just moved, you know, so having to ship all over the country. So it, it's I don't know if it just feels like would they would would NVIDIA really sell bypass even the distributors and go directly to them? I don't know. It doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my guess where a lot of it is. I Most of the sources I know are working inside of the OEM or vendor companies, like whatever. And most of them say they do not sell directly to 
miners is what I've heard from a couple different companies. But as Gordon just said, it's there's a big distribution pipeline. There's distributors, distributors you'd never hear about, but they hold an immense amount of power in the supply chain for electronics. And I would not be surprised if that's where this is happening. Uh, uh, J.W. Dickinson gave us $2 super chat. Thank you so much. Said, well, Gordon, I guess the PC is dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you can't buy parts, then it's dead. Uh, we do have a, a practical question yeah. from, uh, Addy, uh, is asking, uh, when a GPU has been used for mining, what's the most vulnerable parts that you would need to check if you're going to buy a used one afterward? Is it the thermal paste, the power delivery, the memory, or even the chip itself? Is there a way I would just to be worried about the. It? I don't know. There might you might want to Google that. There might be better answers. I don't know offhand if there's any certain thing you should check. I would just be worried about these chips are rated to run a predetermined like five years or whatever under normal operating conditions at normal temperatures, and if it's running twenty four seven, just hammering the memory and the GPU, I'd be worried about the longevity, longevity, the lifespan of the chip itself and the memory itself is what my big concern is. And I'm not sure there's a way to check for that, but I'm not in too, too deep into the GPU mining world. So definitely Google that if it's a concern. Okay. Yeah. Bummer. Well, you know, I don't want to, don't want to end on a bummer note, uh, but we, <laughs> we got some, uh, we got some Q and a, uh, to get to if, uh, if that's cool. Sure. Uh, uh, so the, the first one, uh, well, actually before that, I'm going to say, Hey, if you have a question, uh, that you want to answer on the show here, uh, either put it in the chat and, and at me, uh, but the better place is over on our discord. The link to join our discord is in the description. We have a channel in there for full nerd questions. You can drop a question in there at any time and I get to it on the show. Hopefully cross your fingers. Uh, but the, the first question, uh, is actually a super chat that just came in from Stephen Hart gave us $5. Thank you. Uh, ha they said, uh, I got a 5,800 X for my RTX 3080, uh, that, uh, has a X570 motherboard based rig. My second rig is a 5,700 XT, uh, running on an X470. Would you sell the 3,800 XT or the 3,600 X to recoup the 5,800 X money? What time did the train leave the station? I'm not. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, this, it's a little okay. Now no, that I, I'm reading I, I it, I think it's, I got yeah. it. Okay, yeah, go for so it. So I think basically the this, the question is so hanging on to a second system wants to know if she, they should keep a Zen two part or or Zen three part. Um, which one to sell to recoup some of the cost of the 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 Zen three part they bought for their first primary system. Um, since I started, I guess I'll take a stab at it. I would say it sounds like that's a secondary system. You're probably not going to be doing a lot of stuff on it. Um, that really needs to push uh, that CPU. So kind of depends. Like if you want to recoup as much money as possible, I'd sell the hotter part, which is the 5600X. That's just me. Um, but if you really want to hang on to that system for like the higher clocks and like have higher clocks and all that, then, you know, obviously keep the 5600X. I think yep. I said that right. <laughs> There's a lot of letters and numbers. Yeah. Actually, no, that's actually no. They they say, would you sell the thirty eight hundred XT or the thirty six hundred X? Oh, thirty six. Yeah, thirty six. Okay, sorry. So both send two. Both send two. I would sell. It depends on what you use it for. Like, if mm. you have this secondary system to render video, that's a weird secondary system. But some people might have that. In which case, you might want the more cores. 
But if you're just using it for a normal everyday system, maybe play some games on stuff like that, I would totally sell the more expensive one with Workhorse. Same. Same. But also, I would look at what you're able to fetch because, you know, the those N2 parts are actually pretty valuable these days. So if you can get more for 3600 than what it's really worth, then maybe that's one to sell, right? I think the 3600X has been a little easier to get hands on currently. Oh, that's good. Because so, at one point it was like $500. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's like with everything that's been on the market, it kind of comes in and out. Like there are periods where you'll be able to get your hands on it and then it kind of runs out for a bit and then you can't and all the prices are inflated. But Zen 2 definitely easier to get a hold of right now than Zen 3, unless unless you're looking in the low end. I have been waiting for the 3200G to come back into stock just because. Just and I'm just and every two weeks, B&H does what they say they're going to do. They said, we promise to keep you updated. The update is, we're sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there, are no, there are no chips to sell. Hey, at least they update you. <laughs> today there was actually totally unrelated to CPUs, but today there were actually Best Buy did drops for the RTX Founders Edition cards, so they do exist. If you're out there, they disappeared very quickly. But. Very quick. Uh, <laughs> so there's been a couple of people in the chat saying local micro centers have a, a yeah. boxes of 5600 Xs. So just Brad, shelf, you just so. need to live near a micro center. There you just go. Like- if I could convince my wife to move somewhere where it's both warm in February and there were micro centers around, man, I could <laughs> there you die go. a happy man. <laughs> so it's time to get that party bus idea kicked up again. <laughs> yes, yes. People who don't know here so in I, California. I, I, I wouldn't want to go down to L.A. to tell you the truth. Well, you wouldn't right now. But Not right now. To, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but, the, but the concept of is, is the casino buses. So it's the buses that basically fill up with a bunch of degenerate gamblers and cart them up to a casino and then bring them back. This would be the same thing, except you'd be I've carting them to a micro center. Really? But I yeah, this to. would be carting a bunch of nerds to a micro center. You go out I and buy it, your parts actually. in person. This idea is great. Yeah, no, that's good. Micro Center was actually like, oh, that's a great idea. We can really do this. It's like, oh, we were joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sponsored by Micro Center. We should, we should set that up with them. Uh, all right. Uh, next uh, question was from the chat earlier. Uh, tech fan was asking, does anyone think NVIDIA will bring an M1 competitor to the market this year or next, assuming that the ARM thing goes through? I nah. have not heard good things about the ARM, like in terms of... Uh promising things for the arm deal getting approved sounds like it's really getting stuck in uh, among the regulators it was always going to be an uphill battle mm. yeah but even if it's not if it does go through i don't think that nvidia will be able to put out an m1 competitor that quickly uh especially because the thing for apple is that it controls the whole ecosystem it controls the laptops it controls the software it controls all that uh qualcomm also has pretty decent arm chips and they've been making windows laptops for a while as gordon alluded to earlier and they last a while but they're pretty much garbage uh and it would be sorry qualcomm i don't like your <laughs> laptops uh, <laughs> and you'd have to think nvidia would kind of you know fall into that same trap yeah i know i i wouldn't i wouldn't think it would happen you re, you all think it's not going to happen i mean this i because you never know you never know how regulators are gonna and there's so this is an international everybody's trying to keep somebody from buying arm because they understand the implications of it 
But SoftBank is his clearly wants to cash out, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know. He, he could still go through, you know. And I I think that sort of points out like you know people really thought that SoftBank would be Casablanca, and yeah, no, they just wanted to cash out in the end. So if they don't sell to Nvidia, what do they do? Sell to Samsung or Apple, you know, or Intel? I mean, that'd be yeah. It's it's going to be somebody with a lot of money. I don't think there's going to be an M1 competitor from Nvidia or ARM imminently. Yeah, I am not even sure Nvidia even cares. Yeah. Okay. Um, CauseMC just uh, put one in Discord. Said thoughts on the NXT uh, NZXT sorry starter system sixty nine ninety nine for a ninety one hundred F with a ten fifty Ti. 500-watt power supply, 16 gigs of RAM. Did you say 1050 and not 1650? Uh, they, they wrote 1050 Ti. Oh, boy. And for how That's much? What, $700. 700 bucks. Wow. That's what they go for these days. That uh, or an Xbox Series X. It's crazy, 1050. It is 1050. I was watching Jay, Jay's Two Cent just put a video out today, and they were the sponsor on his video. And it's like, yeah, 1050, not even a 1650 super, <laughs> 1050 Ti. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That hurts. I, I think yeah. it is that you buy the tool for the job. Mm-hmm. If you want to play console games, you definitely buy an Xbox. If you want PC games, <laughs> you, you buy PC, right? I mean, it's... Uh, if you want to play PC games right now, you play GeForce now. <laughs> no, but I mean... With the Chromebook. Actually, you, you have to... This is a good question, warped. though. Gordon, you, yeah. you you very much, you know, are like, hey, I want hardware sitting next to my feet playing these games. Brad uh, and I, you know, both uh, have have had great success with, with GeForce Now. If this if you had those two choices right now, Gordon, you only have two choices. <laughs> A seven hundred dollar TI or GeForce Now, which would you do? The I the answer is the PC. I didn't even have to ask. I mean, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not a console player. It doesn't work for me. You don't right? get ray tracing, a 1050 it Ti. Works. It works for no, other no, people. No, no, I didn't but... say get a console. I said either a, the $700 NZXT oh. with the 1050 Ti. See, oh. you, come on, you think I'm talking about? Co- I, I already know that answer. Mm-hmm. $700 <laughs> 1050 Ti or GeForce Now. Which would you go? I, I would. I well, for me, it's. It's not enough. I would definitely still do 1050 Ti. I I really believe in latency. I also don't. You have to also realize we're warped. People are not playing RDR2. They're not playing, you know, Watch Dogs Legion. That is not what the vast majority. They're not playing Cyber, right? Punk. The vast majority of people are not playing those games. Maxed out everything on. Mm-hmm. It's really about Rocket League. It's about Minecraft. It's about whatever game is super popular now. That a 1050 Ti. Is you know it'll still do it. It'll still do it with way more latency than you know works for me for GeForce Now. I think GeForce Now is you know for me it's it's awesome for what it is, but I can't live with that latency because I know what it's like to have a real computer nearby. Mm-hmm. So, and I think for a lot of people, they also want the experience. It's just not enough about playing games. It's about it's about having the headset. The RGB lights, you know, and all that stuff. And I think you really get a lot of that with the desktop. And I I prefer local, obviously, because I'm not silly. I'm fine with cloud gaming, especially GeForce Now is very good. Uh, 
if you need to. I think we're for a lot of people we're in the we're need to situation because speaking of this 1050 Ti, which came out I think for 150 dollars four years ago. Oh. Uh, today, going on Newegg, the cheapest one you can buy is three hundred and seventy dollars. Uh, there are one that's four fifty, one that's four ninety. Uh, but most are up around $700 just for that graphics card. What? So considering all that, I don't think $700 for the NZXE system is terrible. <laughs> uh, the yeah, cheapest one no. you can get is a used cards. Used 1050 Ti's on Newegg are $300 plus shipping. Hey, hold up. I got to do my own search right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, like... I, you know, I yeah. wonder if it's it's almost like you oh, want to look I'm at. I'm trying like, to show you, but it doesn't like my screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zoom. Uh, if, I, well, Elena searches. I wonder if it's like worth like you start like bringing up older cards. Like I, I have like five eighties downstairs. Like, hey, we have a right? we have, just we have a four sixty hanging on the the the, uh, the pegboard in the in the studio. <laughs> I, at what point do those cards? I, I wonder, like 1050 Ti versus an ancient five series. It was high end, but still, I almost wonder <laughs> which is faster. Five eighties and stuff are still doing all I, right too. I would think so for most, you know, esports class games. I, it, or even, I mean, if you're playing at 1080p and don't mind not playing at ultra, which most people shouldn't play it anyway. Five eighty is still good. But yeah, bleak time. I, uh, considering that additional research I just did, I think the seven hundred dollars for the NZXT system is fine. Oh, Brad, I don't I, mean five. No, I don't mean I, I don't mean five eighty Radeon. I mean uh, GTX GeForce oh. five eighty. I don't mean no. Yeah, five eighty is like yeah. Now it's suddenly worth like nine million dollars. But I mean like five eighty. Yeah, no. So. Okay. So what was what was the G? Or sorry, the CPU in that in that NZXT system? Ninety one hundred F. Ooh, okay. So that was seven hundred dollars. You said. At least that's yeah. what Cause MC said. Dudes, my dudes, <laughs> go <laughs> go to the Dell website. So uh, Dell G five seven hundred and thirty dollars right now. Core i five uh, ten four hundred F with a sixteen fifty super. How much? Seven thirty. There so you go. Thirty dollars more. Yeah. Okay. Definitely shop around. Like, and especially in times like these, my advice to people is to actually go the pre-built uh, route and go with a big vendor. Because typically, what happens is they lock in their pricing way more in advance because they have to buy so much of it in bulk. So if you're buying now, hopefully you're getting pr- like the prices they got back in. I don't know. <sighs> October. I don't know. I don't know what the production timelines are like. So usually there's a better chance that you'll still get better parts for a more reasonable price as long as that like stock of it lasts. But like the smaller vendors tend to have to jack up their prices sooner because they get affected by it sooner too. Yeah. Yeah. I've been looking at pre-built PC deals as an alternative and Dell, especially like you just looked at has been really, really good prices compared to street prices for graphics cards. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah. but Dell, yeah. Dell is known for having kind of iffy, uh, cooling out of the box. So just know that you might need to slap your own cooler in there. If you decide to go one of those routes, but I mean, if you can get that whole system for 750 bucks where the card itself is selling for, 600 bucks like it's worth it <laughs> if I mean, you need to play a local system right now it's worth it cpu coolers no shortages on that so you no. can still pick up like i don't know one of the be or be quiet uh mm-hmm. coolers or you know even a tried and true uh 
It's a Hyper 212, so mm-hmm. won't cost yeah. you that much more. And I will say, yeah, big OEMs, like for people who don't know, OEMs are like huge companies, HP, Dell, Lenovo, that kind of class of company that sells desktops. They That's probably your best bet for getting a decent GPU at a not crazy price mm-hmm. versus smaller vendors. And as you get smaller and smaller, it yes. gets harder for them. So exactly. as Elena said that earlier, and I'm not really, I would not be concerned about cooling because yeah, it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to be the absolute best cooled thing, but they don't sell you. It works. That, yeah. that won't work. It will work yeah. out of the box. So yeah, totally agree. All right. Uh, a pointed question from Mogo uh, on discord, uh, Brad, what is TJ Maxx for the GDDR6X memory chips? Uh, I don't know that off the top of my head. It feels like one of those trivia sessions where it's like, you're on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah you would, so, I don't know who would commit that one to memory. GDDR6X for uh, $100. Uh, Brad, what is what is TJ Maxx? Uh, okay. Well, you know, maybe we'll get back to you. It's on a that store one. you buy really yeah. cheap TJ pants Max. at. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got a, a really sweet Patriots jersey at TJ Maxx, not jersey, a tank top for a dollar seventy five last year. One of my Ooh. prized possessions. So maybe I'm a very cheap person. Maybe that's the answer. Dollar seventy five. There you go. The best seven. Uh, be the best seven. Okay, I said it right. They they made fun of me. I, I think I said it right this time. Uh, has a repost. Uh, what categories of hardware are affected by the tariffs? I know GPUs and motherboards, but not sure what else. I know, know cases have been affected pretty well. Uh, I think at this point, it's pretty much all the major ones, isn't it? Wait, so can you repeat that one more time? I was actually looking in the chat and... Uh, um, Dr. Kutcher's has the answer for TJ Maxx for us when we have a oh, moment. Sweet. Of course, well, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Of course, Ian knows that. Oh, it's on the board. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> he stole it from you. Uh, uh, the, uh, sorry, the categories of hardware, PC hardware that are affected by tariffs. They mentioned... Uh, they mentioned GPs and motherboards. Oh, um, power supplies, I believe, are affected as well as cases, as Brad already mentioned. But so also... Did- just like most most things have been touched by it. Yeah. I'm wondering, though, because remember there were those kind of like interesting workarounds. Like there was a tariff on the GPU, but if you imported a built system, it yeah. was like different. I'm wondering if that's if those things of, still stick or did all, all that expire? A lot of it expired. Yeah. So Yeah, at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the answer to the TJ Maxx, Elena? Uh it says 105 centigrade or 125 centigrade. There you go. All right, there we go. Uh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, the second part of be the best question is, there's two of three. Uh, also, what would you guys think about moving away from the Von Neumann architecture? I have no idea what that is. Yeah, it's basically basic computer design. I. You know, I actually have found that as I've gotten older, I've gotten dumber. So uh, Ian would be a great person to answer that. I've actually sort of settled into the perfect beast just to simply say, what's better for you? So my feeling is, yeah, if we move away from Von Neumann, if we move to whatever, and that's actually better for you as a product to buy. That's that's what I would recommend that you buy. I, 
I don't know, because there's really a lot of long-haired stuff where you could discuss the stuff ad nauseum in forums. As it applies to a consumer, where you buy your product at the store, it's it's so far removed, you know. I, if we ever get there, maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no rules, right? There's never any rules in computing. I mean, there's there's laws until the laws are broken. So we'll see. Okay, uh, and part three of the question uh, is: Is Nvidia? Oh, yeah, is Nvidia Shield a console alternative? Just looked into it today, and the portability seems attractive. Seems like you can do local multiplayer as well. <laughs> I, it's good. You know, it's good. It's Android TV. If you don't mind playing the Android games, you can do GeForce Now on it. If you have a gaming PC already, you can stream from your gaming PC to the Shield, like Steam Link. Yeah, if you if you are into that kind of stuff, it's a very good option. We consider it the best uh, media streaming box for geeks and enthusiasts, like on yep. our sister site Tech Hive. And if that's what you're looking for in a box, it's a great option. And it you know controls it works as a home control hub, all kinds of other stuff like that. Uh, it supports external uh, storage, so I mean, yeah, it, it's real cool. Chromecast uh, console mm-hmm. alternative, I think, is a bit strong. But yeah. it is very, if you're already a PC gamer and are ha- bought into the NVIDIA ecosystem, then I think it can be a very compelling option. Yeah. I, it doesn't for, yeah. have quite the same strength in terms of game support. So that's why it's like there's some hesitance in calling it an, a true console alternative. Yeah. Well, and well, I, yeah. I would, go ahead. I'll just say, I, I actually run a shield. So I love the thing. Oh, it's awesome. Perfect. It's the, it's the Cadillac of media streamers. Well worth the money. If you're going to buy, you know, the best media streamer out there, do that. For gaming, yes, it does some streamed games. But to me, the difference is very much like a PC, even that 1050 Ti PC. Running actual applications, actual games on a shield is not going to hold a candle to, you know, a, a, a next or current generation consoles. So running a game, it's just not not the same. But definitely for access to stream games, yeah, it's it's a fine platform. But as far as you know, traditional fat client, low latency, no latency sitting in front of you, that's that's not its strength. Yeah, I, with my time with it, I I I haven't used it since I moved to this apartment about a, a year ago. But back when I was using it more, I I always felt like it was a jack of all trades, master at none. It's like it can do a lot of things. It's got Steam Link. It's got GeForce Now. It, it plugs into, you know, Epic Game Store. Like uh, has local games, has multiplayer games, has a bunch of different stuff. But I, I would just run into the even HDR support, 4K support, uh, things that the Steam Link didn't have. Uh, and uh, I, I just uh, I, I would run into these little things that it would just be like, ah, damn it! This if this worked, this would be awesome. But you know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm glad it exists i'm glad it exists uh okay let's uh let's keep it moving um speaking about the tariff situation that dude was talking about hmm. you gotta also consider this just popped in my head it's not just the tariffs at this point like the logistics issues are a real and very expensive issue that companies are dealing with as well like just shipping product moving around the world is adding a lot to the cost that we're seeing these days and it's just something People should keep in mind as well. Yeah, because there's not as many flights, so they can't mm-hmm. uh, they can't use the cargo. So yep, the cargo holds. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
the uh this is a good one for for gordon uh dennis siberian is asked um what additional benefits can modern computer hardware give to people who play uh light demanding titles such as world of warcraft uh quake live and i'm gonna throw in world of warships in there well i'm <laughs> i'm i'm sorry i was trying to multitask what nope. what's the difference the what, first part what what are the benefits of having a powerful system to run light de- light titles like world of warcraft quake live and and your beloved world of warships well mostly because you get to show it off you get to say hey yeah and you can backward compliment yourself you know how hard it was to get this 3090 <laughs> <laughs> oh let me tell you it was crazy i had to pay well above msrp for it oh you just bought a 1050 ti in your system from someone I and mean, that's a flex right that's, there <laughs> yeah i mean that's 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 a real advantage. No, you got you got you got to give those folks that advantage. Got my um, thirty ninety, and it's kicking world of worship. Thirty ninety, yeah. You know, I I'm thinking, uh, yeah. I I bought a fifty nine hundred X. I'm going to be upgrading to fifty nine fifty X pretty soon. Just <laughs> that's to, how you that's how you lose friends. <laughs> and and they're like, I've just got it. All I could buy was a seventeen hundred X. That's all I could get. Yeah, that's 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 a big advantage. So definitely, bragging rights is valuable. Yeah, uh, if if you're doing consecration, if you're doing all that other stuff, um, if you're just basically playing games, then yeah, you're not getting that much out of it. But again, don't underestimate what it's like to tell your friends, "Oh, this thirty ninety, it was so hard to get." I mean, I mean, would some people want to play those games in high frame rates still? I mean, there's I mean, a certain point where it's not. Gonna, there's going to be no returns not even diminishing returns but like yeah it does make it smoother if you get up to a certain level i i would argue yes if you're a high refresh gamer it's it's worth it but do you do you really need a 3090 for that you know probably not you know you don't need a 3090 for anything (laughs) it's it's mostly for a lot of it's flexing but yes but i mean i sort of consider trying to hit high frame rate to be the same that's you know high trying to hit high refresh gaming at you know high high res is is actually using it um but yeah i mean uh, other than that no you 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 have way too much hardware just to play those <laughs> those esports games unless you're playing at you know 350 hertz or something on the actual practical side some newer hardware i believe all three major gpu companies support it this time uh they support technology that makes it so when you upscale uh, pixel retro games it looks smoother and better now so that oh. is a practical you know good tangible benefit that if you are playing older games you might want to take advantage of if you're into emulators kind of a deal uh, so that is a practical benefit of modern graphics cards but i agree that in general that's basically going to be it i'll, I'll add one you that- wouldn't need it Sorry, just real quick. He wouldn't need a 3090 for that no. vintage, though. Right? No, but it's I like mean, a if 20 you got series, a, if you 30 got a, series. Yeah. yeah. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> a- AMD yeah, side has that stuff, too, yeah. Yeah, so does even Intel iGPUs these days. So, so I'll, I'll, and, and I'll say to add on top of that, if you're, if you're streaming World of Warcraft or Quake Live or World of Warships, you, you do get the benefit of some of those, those streaming options. You know, if you're going to use NVIDIA Broadcast or anything like that, they're... There's that kind of angle too. Yep. So. But in general, if you're if you're playing the original, you know, Command and Conquer or Betrayal at Crown Door or whatever, those old school kind of games, upgrading to a modern graphics card is not necessary. Okay, uh, let's do uh, one more, one more serious question and two funny ones. If that's cool, everyone got time. 
<laughs> so Weedabix uh, had asked, uh, if you want to use DLSS to make a game run faster, does it need a better CPU then since the GPU is utilized less? You, depending on your system configuration, uh, you might bump into it becoming a CPU bottleneck because it's rendering at the lower resolution. Uh, I would say you don't need it whatsoever. Uh, it'll still run much faster than it would by itself. It just, or just on the GPU at standard native resolution, it might not just be as fast as, you know, what you would get with a higher CPU. So, like, if a, if a game becomes CPU limited, because if you're running 1080p DLSS, which DLSS is not great for 1080p, but that's one of the situations where, you know, it renders at 720p or even lower. And in that case, you could very well get CPU bottlenecked, and a faster CPU would make a difference in those games that support that. But on a practical level, uh, that's going to be so few and far between, and your frame rates will already be so fast that I don't think it'd make that much of a difference. I don't think it'd make a practical difference to be worth upgrading your CPU in a time where it's hard to find CPUs. Uh, okay, well, last serious question is a quick one. Uh, Daxter Beer GMS is asking, is a 1,200-watt power supply enough to feed two 3090s and, a, and an 11900K? Ooh, that might be close. I, I'd be nervous. Be I'd be nervous if you plan on overclocking. Okay. What is the TD? What's the min min rec for a thirty ninety card? Oh, min rec for thirty ninety on the board. <laughs> Does Brad know? I'm, it? Guess, <laughs> I, I'm guessing they're saying you know seven fifty eight hundred yeah. kind of range. Yeah, yeah, so. it's seven fifty. But you should get eight fifty. But that's just for one, and that's for the whole system. And those recs that they do are built in. They're overinflated in case you are overclocking the hell out of everything. Uh, I I think you can squeeze two. 3090s into a thousand watt system, uh, which I know you can do because I've done it before with my testing rig. So I know that you can play games with two 3090s on a thousand watt system. But if you start to overclock those, the power goes through the roof. It's the same thing with the CPU. Like I think a 1200 watt power supply will be cutting it pretty close, but could get it done. But if you overclock any of it, it might not work very well. Yeah. And I guess it depends on where Rocket Lake comes in at, you know? So. It sounds like it's sort of similar mm -hmm. to Comet Lake, but you know, there's been a lot of rumors that it is going to be pretty power hungry. Um, yeah, I man, it just kind of like twelve hundred and fifteen hundred watt power supply sounds like you know something from ten years ago. Nope, they're still out there. Oh, I know they are, but it's just like everybody's sort of like right now. Yeah, it's all, all the mining. All power supplies are expensive right now. They, they come Holy in a crap. nice uh, felt pouch, though. You, you get, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you buy the the fancy ones. If you are going to do that, uh, I would highly recommend looking into. It's a process called undervolting, uh, where it's basically you're the opposite of overclocking. You're fine tuning the graphics card to run more efficiently by using less power, but tinkering with the clocks and stuff. And you can use dramatically less power if you tweak a 3090 and not lose much performance if you do it carefully. So if you are going to be riding it that close to an edge in the system like that, it might be worth looking into undervolting just to give you back some of that headroom. Very geeky answer, but that's 100% what I would do in those shoes. Or just buy a 1500-watt power supply. 
That's a big just these days. <laughs> I mean, if you got hey, the money for two dollars well, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, though. Oh, you know how hard it was to get these two thirty nineties, and I got this new Rocket Lake part. I had to buy a fifteen hundred watt power supply. <laughs> uh, also, the, this episode is making me realize that maybe we should do like a Jeopardy for PC uh, hardware. You know, like episode? That, that, God, oh, that would I'd be like, It would be yeah. like I'd or, be like a negative. <laughs> or maybe instead of uh, instead of doing uh, the next CPU review with Gordon. Uh, I'm going to quiz him on his own written review and be like, okay, so <laughs> what, what was the frame rate of Red, Red Dead Redemption 2 on the this new Rocket Lake part? <laughs> well, it could also be fun to do uh, where we, did, we do a, a Jeopardy, but we have the audience. So like in the chat, we have the, the, the answers and somebody just simply reads their, their answer, you know? You pick three participants and they read the answer. And then... I like it. I like it. <clears throat> All right. Uh, uh, one of two silly questions. First one, Gordon. Uh, this goes back to last week. Have you seen what Miss Grundy looks like on Riverdale, the new Riverdale? Mogo is asking this. I have not. I've. I have oh, never no. actually watched Riverdale. That was just simply. A, you just a knew funny about disconnect. it. I I knew about it because I hear I hear these terms from my kids, and then I have to look them up to see what they mean. So. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like you need to look up Miss Grundy, the version of Miss Grundy in this new show. I don't know. Oh, right. So the original Miss Grundy. Yes. Yeah. I remember the original Miss Grundy. I don't know what it's probably like somebody who's like a serial killer, because that's sort of like, I don't know, like it's, you know, it's it's Riverdale, right? No clue. Uh, all right, last question then from a longtime friend of the show, VC Jester, said, uh, imagine you are in a what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas situation. Okay, <laughs> all of us, all four of us. And alcohol okay. is in the mix. Uh, <clears throat> he wants to know, each one of us, uh, are you the quiet one, the funny one, the one getting into trouble, the one getting other people into trouble? Uh, can, can you disclose what kind of drunk you are <laughs> if, if, we're, if the full nerd crew is out uh, in Vegas? I think is it's it a really, range. Is it really staying in Vegas if we're talking about it, though? <laughs> I guess it's theoretical. So what theoretically right. stays in Vegas doesn't stay in <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Sorry, go, All right. go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, I think it. I think there's a range. And then I also find that social interactions, I mean, you know, definitely, you know, angry drunks or whatever, they're angry. But, you know, I think it also depends on who they're around, what they talk about. So... I think it could range. It could range everywhere from let's have a nice, you know, mellow kind of good time to, oh, yeah, we are in a prison cell kind of thing. You know, not prison because jail. Prison is where you end up after you go to jail and then they send you to prison for your sentence. So uh, it could range all the way to that. It just depends on what kind of stupid thing you do. But. This feels like a very politician answer. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's I'm asking saying... specifically which role in the group are you? Are you the one that hugs everybody, Gordon? Or are you, are you the one that like like tells people to do stupid things? Uh, no, I actually don't. Well, hmm, there's times. It, like I said, it really depends. I would probably be all things. I mean, you know, it would go from telling people to do stupid things, and then you know, generally, I don't know. It's hard to say. It just depends on how drunk off my ass I am. So, <laughs> what? Well, somebody else needs the answer, not just me. Well, whenever I go out to CES. Uh, me and someone else who is affiliated with PC World, uh, you have to work your butt off that whole time there. And we do until the very last night. And then we go out that last night after our last things filed for the day with our luggage and just party it up until 
it's time to take your flight back to wherever you're going and running around, you know, smoking Cuban cigars, running up on craps tables and randomly doing stuff like that, hooting and hollering. We're the, the ridiculous, <laughs> the, the people that everyone in Vegas probably hates, but there's a lot of fun <laughs> to hang out with. That, that's what we do whenever we go out to CES. So Nice, nice. Elena? I'm the kind of guy just this weekend, we were talking about me like in the Super Bowl, because uh, I'm from Tampa, uh, and my wife was very mad at me and went to bed immediately after getting home from work yesterday, because apparently I was very, very cheerful and kept blasting Buccaneers crunk rap songs in the middle of the night while I was partying once everyone got up, got, went to bed. So, yeah, I like to have fun. <laughs> Confirmed. Oh, wait, wait, I... <laughs> Before Elaine and Adam, so I do, so CES is a good example. So one time I, I somehow got invited to a wire cutter party, which I'm not cool enough to go to. Nathan <laughs> Edwards was there, who uh, is still at wire cutter and I used to work at uh, with. No, he's uh, not. Oh, really? He left. Yeah. Where'd he go? Well, anyway, I used to work in Na- with Nathan, <laughs> Maxim PC, great, great person. And we were, we were both drunk yelling at each other about Star Wars. And then. <laughs> Wes from PC Gamer then was like, he put out a tweet saying Gordon and Nathan are screaming at each other about Star Wars. <laughs> so, yes, that's the kind of drunk I am, but, you know. Uh, yeah, somebody in the chat, uh, Flash Photo, says uh, they, they assume Gordon is the talkative drunk. Uh, I'm, I'm oh, going to yeah. have to talkative. confirm that one. Yes. <laughs> I okay. miss you, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, those parties are tough. Elena, anything you want to disclose? Uh, so I actually tend to be the sober one. And I do it kind of on purpose because people just tell you things when they're <laughs> drinking. And it's not like I use it against anybody, but it's just really fascinating. Like all the stories you get to hear. And then I get to remember it the next day because I was sober. <laughs> I actually really enjoy that. <laughs> because when I do drink, I just normally get very sleepy if I like go like past my my personal limit, and then it's not fun because then I just end up taking a nap and I miss all the, the shenanigans. <laughs> oh, I have a really good drunk story from CES. When <laughs> <laughs> you can to... tell, or <laughs> well, for for like Brad waits till the very last day, but I go to the vendor parties because then people are like, "How come you didn't come to my party, Gordon?" It's like, oh, you like really get in trouble if you don't go. But I went, it was near the end and I'd gone to where I was going out to dinner with a coworker. We'll not name the coworker. So we're like, you know, the coworker, I'm not even going to use gender because then there you get, it opens up the wider pool. The person, um, we go to a really nice restaurant because there's no other one to go to. And then. The person ordered a really nice bottle of wine and drink or whatever. I mean, I was def- I was definitely drunk, right? But I'm like, I'm like, uh, and then the bill came, and my coworker was sort of like passing out, and when I picked it up. It's like this is a dinner for two of us for like three hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to pay for this because I am not going to get stuck with this because I did not order the two hundred dollar bottle of wine. <laughs> So I, I shook the person, hey, the bill's here. And, of course, a drunk person, of course, then pays for the bill. <laughs> and there's actually a longer 
there's a longer thing to this that I can't, I do not want to mention here, but yeah. Oh, but the, he'll tease it. It's fine. No, I will tell, I will tell everybody later on, but it was, it was pretty hilarious, but I did not pay for that bill. So I, I was, yeah, I'm like Elena. I'm like, I'm going to get drunk, but I'm not going to get so drunk. I'm paying for the dinner. So. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say that's what I do. <laughs> just that I let people tell me stories. <laughs> well, do you ever pick up the tab for everybody because you're so drunk? Uh, no, because normally my friends actually are way more generous as, as people, and they tend to just buy all the drinks for everybody anyway. And they always treat me because I just get, like, water soda, so they don't really care about, like, two bucks. It's, it's Vegas. You don't have to pay for drinks anyway. What are you guys talking about? Yeah. So Elena drinks the water and soda because she knows she doesn't want to get stiff with the bill from her drunk friends. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I, I remember when that story happened, Gordon. I died. Uh, yeah, that's a good story. Uh, <laughs> I would say, yes, I, I am the one who gets just silly and wants to do the dumbest things. But usually, yeah, yeah Lindsay is, is over here saying, yep. <laughs> uh, but usually, if it's at CES, like, I'm not, I'm not somebody to go dance, like, on a dance floor at a club. But usually CES, like, that's the one time where I'm like, let's go dance. Yeah. I'm not good. I'm not good at dancing. I just, I want to go on the club floor. <laughs> you said dance. And my first, my immediate first thought before you finish your sentence was, well, he gets up on tables. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm, I'm too tall and too heavy. I always worry. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> I, I, no physical damage, luckily. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I like to get dumb <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, but that's not happening this year, uh, anytime mm. soon. So we'll, we'll see, uh, when we can share stories next time. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, that's, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to call it a wrap. Let's go eat some food. I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. Very hungry. Next year. This is telling me that we need to do a CES after dark again next year. If we go back to CES. <laughs> Wait, what was did I miss something? There was an after dinner. It, it was like a Q&A show. Different people showed up. It was before you got here. Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> I remember that. You, you brought a one of those tall margarita things. It was not me. You guys thought it. Kyle's like, hey, oh, we're going to buy right. these uh, three-foot margaritas, and you and Gordon are just going to keep shooting until one of them's gone. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep, yep, yep. That was a good time. Uh, that was a good time. Yes. There, we, there is there is still video proof of that video. Yeah. Jordan yeah. oh, was wearing a hundred dollar bill hoodie. I still have it. I keep it in my CES bag. I totally forgot about that. Because if you lose your, I have regular hats that I wear, but if I lose one, that's my backup hat. So. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, all right, only, only classy Las Vegas hat there, right? All right, we're, we're gonna get to lunch here. Check back next here. week. For your fix of PC Talk on the Full Nerd for audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. And also, please leave a review on one of those services. Every time you do, we give you a crazy Las Vegas story. Same questions and comments to thefullnerd at pcworld.com. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkis. Go Bucks. Elena Yee. Bye, everyone. And Adam Patrick Murray is going to hit the out switch. One day, the Full Nerd crew will get drunk together again. Yes, definitely. Uh, until then, see you next time. Thanks, everybody.